area softball stars. Register for the Diamond Star Softball Transfer Portal Showcase June 14th and 15th at Bob Lewis Park in Asheville, North Carolina. This showcase is for any player currently in the transfer portal or any JUCO player. Get the opportunity to showcase your skills in front of college coaches from all levels. Over the two-day event, players participate in evaluations such as softball skills and metrics by college sports evaluations, drill and team practice participation, and playing in three games. For more information, visit DiamondStarEvents.net or email Coach Ben McKinney at bmckinney at DiamondStarEvents.net. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team, the 2018 National Arena League champions. Join us for our fourth year in the snake pit at the Greensboro Coliseum. Be a part of the Carolina Cobras tailgating group before every home game starting April 30th. Season tickets are now on sale for as low as two for $128. You can reach the ticket office at 336-455-7232 or at carolinacobras.com. Fear the fang. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Charlotte out of timeout. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith parked one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to the score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com on a, can, can we call it early spring or was earlier in the week just like that, always that first week of March where it's like fake spring and then we're going to go back to 40s and sleet, you know, the next few days. Feels great outside right now. It's in the 60s. It was 80 degrees yesterday. That wasn't, you know, terrible. But uh, yes, John, for catching that in the intro. Uh, by the way, if you want to do what Sean just did and leave a comment, ask us a question, uh, whatever, uh, comment on the Facebook sh- uh, live stream, the YouTube live stream, the Twitter chat. And if you'll also know, I no longer look like a homeless person because that's my thing in the winter. I grow things out a lot, kind of like Aaron Rodgers does, except he just doesn't cut anything <laughs> ever. Um, well, he cuts people from the roster by himself. But anyways, um, l- love him to death. Anyways, um, I let it grow out and get warm. This is the thing I did in Boone, so I, I just kept it going. Anyways, um, what what are tickets going for, Steve? In, in the next segment, we'll get into the game itself. But 
uh, what were we talking about? 5,000, I think was the highest for, the, for, for Saturday. No, 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 no. That's the get in price. Oh, that's the get in price. There's somebody that has four tickets on StubHub offering, they want 99,000 a piece. A piece? <laughs> for, yeah. F- per, per ticket for per four. Per ticket. Of them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, Anything for 34 different ESPN cameras. Um, anyway, this has gotten out of hand. This has gotten completely out of hand. I'm sorry. I, I don't understand Freaking this. Capitalism. Here we go. It's like people are acting like Coach K is like Moses or something. Like we're, we're never going to see this man again in public. We got to spend like a year's worth of mortgage payments to go watch this man coach one final time at Cameron Indoor Stadium. It's collateral. Crazy. It's I no, think I that's mean, that at a, uh, they're targeting a different audience than us. I think for that. I think so. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they're targeting different. a bit of a bit of a higher class audience. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, Coach K is Catholic, so it's it's almost like the Pope's the Pope's right. last visit to the U.S. That's right. That's heard right. Obama's, Obama's going to be in the house. Heard Obama's going to be in the house again. Oh, that should be fun. Uh, who knows what that's, celebrities uh, are going to end up there? Yeah. Mm. Okay, moving Mark, on. Uh, does, does Mark Emmert count? As a celebrity, does Doc Emmert? Mark Emmert. Mark. Oh, Mark Emmert. Okay. Oh, the head of the NCAA. No. Yeah. Okay. Like we're talking about, <laughs> like in the tier of commissioners and heads of leagues, you've got um, Adam Silver, a long way down, Don Garber, the MLS, Gary Bettman, Roger Goodell, fifty feet of dog crap. More dog crap, Mark Emmert, the pit of hell, Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred. Yes. So on, on Obama, I will say this. I checked Wednesday night with people that were here when he came in 2019. Mm-hmm. And they said by this point in the week when they knew he was coming, they would have heard about it at that point, like 72 okay. hours out. They had heard nothing. This this person had heard nothing about it. So, so this could be a I'm surprise just gonna say that. or... Usually a secret <laughs> service, you can't really sneak somebody yeah. in like that. But anyway, you can't, I'm not saying it's not gonna happen, but impressed. that's the information I have. So you can't even you can't sneak a, a, a former president through the back door. It can't happen. Um right. but before we get into the actual game later on, um as for Coach K's legacy, and th- this entire week across everywhere has been just and I'm sure you've been you've been blitzed with requests of of just trying to go on and and get in that you just reminisce about Coach K's career and you know y- your time with him only goes back um, about twelve thirteen years but right just kind of talk about and we'll get to his impact as in a whole in a second but I want to hear from you first um, what has it been like for you to cover this man to get to know him to get to know uh, his wife and his family his children his grandchildren. Um, you're, you're closer to him than a, a lot of other people and at least have been over the last, you know, decade or so kind of talk about what that's been like. Yeah, it's been, uh, it, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a fun job to do the last 12 years, I have to say. And, uh, um, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that were covering Duke before that, that would say that. And that's because I caught him in a really good time. He, uh, you know, I was told like, you know, middle of the last of the previous decade, 2006, 2007, that every press conference was like white knuckle, 
people didn't know what was going to happen. Like he was going to jump down somebody's throat or snap at a question or whatever, you know. And by the time I got there in 2010, you know, they'd won another championship. He had a great team coming back. He'd already started thinking about one and dones and Kyrie had come in that year. And um, he was more, I'm not saying he's been a joy <laughs> every stop. I mean, you know, successful. We're going to have our differences that my job is to write what's going on. And then they want to present, you know, what, what they want to present. Right. So that's always going to be that rub, but, but we haven't had that. He, he's been more into legacy mode is, is the way it was described to me by people around him that he knows he was getting, you know, closer to the end of the beginning, even 10 years ago. And, um, you know, he was aware of that and, and it's just been more, he's been more open to do things that maybe he wouldn't have done before as far as media wise. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite a thing. And, you know, I got to go through one championship run with him in 2015 and then go to the white house, uh, a few months later and Obama was there and all that. And that was kind of cool. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, you know, a lot of great basketball and, you know, there's been some low points. There's been losses to Lehigh and Mercer in the tournament. Uh, so it's, it's been a lot of up and down, but, uh, you know, He's been he's been pretty solid the whole time. And you're right. And you know, for for you, you said it right there. Um, you you've been in in that legacy mode um, with him the the past ten or twelve years. You you probably had a more pleasant experience with him than than a lot of other guys. But then again, you 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 have gotten a chance to get close to him, and you're the guy that's. You know, you're you're the writer as 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 the curtain you know is is uh, falling here, um, and that's I know that's a great honor for you, and, and and we've talked about that both both on the air and off. Um, yes. But as far as his impact as a whole on college basketball, uh, and I just got to this point in the the ACC Network uh, docu series where Coach K is is starting to come in and. Uh, it's narrated by uh, a Duke alum, actor Jack Coleman, mm-hmm. um, and the end of the fifth episode into the sixth episode states, you know, Duke was kind of on on a fall after that the rise that they had with with Mike Jaminski and and those kind of guys. Um, yeah, good yeah. good point, Sean. Sean's a, yeah. Sean's a lifelong Syracuse fan. We've we talked about that. Sean just moved down here from from that part of the country. Um, Anyways, um, they end that fifth episode and transition into the sixth by saying that the guy that was going to resurrect Duke uh, was someone whose name you couldn't pronounce and whose record was didn't he didn't have no record in the name you couldn't pronounce. Right. Um, since then, and we talked about it last week. Coach Case had opportunities to go to the NBA for twenty years now, mm-hmm. twenty thirty years. He's over four decades into this job because, like Jim Beheim, he just loves college basketball. He, he wants to be, right. He wants to be. The, the impact that he's made on this sport, I don't, I don't think it's possible, especially at this point in time, for us to overblow it. Um, because you, especially coming up in you know, the, the writing aspect of things with college basketball, um, even when you were in Columbia, um, those were some of the golden years for not only the ACC tournament, but, but for Duke in the ACC tournament. And um Sheffy's just one of those figures that you think of. And it, of course, it's, it's stated time and time again, but 
he is on that Mount Rushmore of guys that, whether it was in coaching or in media or in whatever aspect, completely changed college basketball and made it what it is today. College basketball would not be where it is without Mike Krzyzewski. Duke would certainly not be where it is without Mike Krzyzewski. That goes without saying. But as far as college basketball as a whole, um, and, and their, their recognition of this area as well, um, wouldn't be where it is. Well, it, and it starts early on when, you know, Tom Butters, the AD that hired him, stuck with him after that third season when they went 11 and 17 and they lost to Virginia 109 to 66 in the ACC tournament to end his third season. And all the Iron Dukes, they were riled up. They were ready to, to run him, buy him out, get him out of here. This ain't working. And Tom Butters stuck with him, uh, which a lot of ADs wouldn't, let's face it. And if I think now they wouldn't, right? Back then it was different. Right. But but anyway, so then he gets Duke going. He gets that recruiting class, you know, with Jay Billis and and uh, Johnny Dawkins and Bill, uh, uh, Mark Allery, and they get going. And then he he knew he had to grow the program and grow the brand. And so that's back when not a lot, ESPN wasn't showing as many games and all that stuff. So they would play games on Sundays. They would they play an ACC game on a Saturday. And then go play on Sunday at at Notre Dame. This is before they were in the tournament, or LSU, or and I know others. You know, uh, Dean Smith started doing that too. But but uh, they they had to to make it a brand. And then Duke kept winning, right? And so then they're on national TV, and then they get a national audience, and this people love them, people hate them, all that stuff. But but they were a thing. They weren't even relevant before. And he had the foresight to say, okay, I got to do this, even though it's not easy for my team. Think about it play an ACC game on a Saturday and then get on a plane and fly, you know, go play Shaq on Sunday when, when Shaq was there, when they faced later. I mean, think about that. That's, that's unheard of. Coaches wouldn't want to do that now, but that's, that's what he's done. He's, he's been a visionary and he's done things with his team and, and, uh, and then continued over the decades to adjust to when, when the game changed, he changed when the three point shot came in, when the shot, uh, the shot clock, all that stuff, uh, the one and dones he's adjusted and he's won in every decade he's coached. He's had championships now. So, uh, it's not, it stood the test of time, I guess. Yeah. And that was the other thing I wanted to to bring up was you said you, you used the term visionary. He's, <clears throat> we see teams do this a lot now where they'll go on those summer or early fall scrimmage trips, kind of, sort of. Uh, Duke's done that consistently for the last mm-hmm. probably decade where they'll go to to Canada or somewhere overseas and play colleges there or high schools there or a combination of both or play professional teams that are over there. Um, Kentucky started doing that now for years. Uh, the Blue Blood programs have followed in Duke's wake. And you said Duke was not a thing. Um, watching that docuseries, the most anybody knew of Duke was the team that would one out of four years magically make it into the ACC tournament. The final was always on ABC, uh, the wide world sports back then. And the rest of it was only on TV here uh, because the ACC was kind of the visionary of conference television. Um, And then the final would be on ABC. Nobody knew Duke outside of, uh, they saw him once a year on TV or or three or four times a year. And then, you, you know, ESPN launches and Duke becomes a brand, as you said, and people start to see him every night. There was a confluence there for sure. And 
you know, they'd made the final four in 78, two years before coach K arrived. And then they made the elite eight the year that Bill Foster, he'd already decided to leave Duke and go to South Carolina, which that's a whole different world. Now, isn't it? Who would leave Duke for South Carolina <laughs> in basketball? But anyway, that's, it was a different world, but uh, they were, I, I've said this a couple times this week. Duke was a distant third in its own neighborhood in the early eighties. Carolina won in 82 state won in 83. What did Duke done? Nothing. That's what I was going to, that's what I was going to say, Steve, yeah. that, you know, it, I, I just, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer here with everything going on, uh, but the ACC is going to be fine. And the of Carolina Duke is going to be fine. Yes. Like a leaving is not going to destroy the league like Thanos or something like it's, it's going to be okay. But yeah, the whole idea that the ACC wouldn't be where it is without Duke. Like I, I slightly push back on that just because of what you just said, Steve, like before K got there, the entire decade of the seventies was lost like to Duke, like basically until the very end 78, 79. I mean, think, think about Maryland too. Maryland's success. The ACC had not moved the tournament at all from Raleigh or Greensboro in its entire history up until 1976 when Maryland started to get wildly successful with, with John Lucas and that team. Um, and they moved it to uh, the Cap Capital Center, Center in, yeah. in Landover. The and, was it the 74 yeah. Maryland team, Steve, that played state in the yes. ACC final that probably yeah. should have went to the, the NCAA tournament? That changed the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. changed the NCAA That's tournament. The Maryland rule. Any tournament yeah. expansion now is just called the Maryland rule because then it yes. was what? It was 2024 teams. And, all, and only champions made it. Yeah. And yeah. only yeah, champions. champions made it. Yes. Yeah. So if no you lost largest. your conference tournament championship, you were done. And, and state some, state Maryland were two of the top three teams in the country with UCLA, oh. and one whoever Maryland lost that was, game Maryland wasn't going. Was two. Yeah, yeah. And the so. thing that made the ACC different was a lot of those conferences used a regular season champion to be the conference champion to go exactly. off. The ACC the was ACC like the, was only, the one only one that used the tournament. The yeah, right. tournament. Yeah. Right. So that made crazy pressure Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and those early oh, tournament yeah. matchups. It's been oh, yeah. fantastic watching this documentary. Yeah. Yeah, so, I've, I've, yeah, no, Duke, Duke had to, he had to build it from, from not from nothing. I mean, you know, they've been to the yeah, final, four, final four, but, and, yeah. but it, again, like I said, in the early eighties, it was a long climb to get where, where they ended up being. I, I they, will they say, little little brother. I don't know if you've got Duke less in this show again. I will say this though, because there is this theory out there that I'm just this complete K hater and uh, I hate everything Duke. And Not every true. Carolina fan is like <laughs> partly that. True. Okay. That's partly there true. Are, there are rational Carolina fans. Des is one of them. K, K to me is like, he is like the spotter at the gym for you. Like you can lift without a spotter, but you can lift more if you have someone lifting with you. And I've always kind of looked at go. K and Duke as spotters for Carolina and basketball and vice versa. Like they push yep. each other. There's a, I, there was a strange stat. Um, I'm trying to remember where it began, but uh, really, for the past 30 years, if one of those teams makes the Final Four, if you go and look, the other one makes it the following year. Like, yep. it's the craziest stat in terms of yep. uh, if you just go back. Like, so I think it was starting with those uh, early 90s Duke teams with yes. Leitner and Hurley and them guys. 91-92, Duke goes to the Final Four 93. and wins the title. 93, Carolina goes to the Final Four. 94, Duke. 95, Carolina. Carolina. Exactly happened, right? It goes back 98. Uh, yep. Carolina goes to the final four. Yep. 99, Duke goes to the final four. Right. 2000, Carolina goes to the final 2001. four. 2001, Duke goes to the final <laughs> four. It's, it's nuts. Like 04, yes. Duke, 05, Carolina. So, right. uh, it's it's weird that it's happened that way, but it's a perfect example of how you know they they push each other. And I think with them having two former players 
taking over the the realm of, of both exactly these teams. what i was getting ready to say yeah it's, it's going to be that's how going to be fine yeah yeah and, and and the the photo they took in chapel hill before the game if you guys know what i'm talking about here when before the game shire and hubert and and roy and Kay got together and they took a little photo uh and they put it on the video board at when the uh, in pregame you know the rivalry is going to continue or something to that effect i can't remember but it was really nice it's 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 what carolina did to honor what was happening is that, that this is happening. Roy left. Kay's leaving. These guys are here. We're going to continue this. The blue bloods are, this is not going to go away. And it's not. Do you, do you think not. these new guys will like carry on that legacy for the next 25, 30 years? Or is there going to be a turnover of coaches with both those programs now? I think there'll be a turnover, not because they're going to fail, but because that's people don't stay in the same job for 40 years anymore. Right. That's just the nature just, of college basketball. Now. Right. It's it, right. That's just how it is. I mean, Hubert's right. in his mid fifties. Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Steve, you you and I were talking about um, Dan Muller in Illinois State. He's he was fired, and he sat in on his team's tournament game earlier this afternoon in St. Yeah. Louis. Yeah. I, I mean, it. A lot of situations, it's not necessarily the fault of the coach, but the way college basketball is now there has to be someone to blame. But one more thing before we go to break. Uh, I heard, um, I forget his name, one of the assistants um, talk about this the other day, said that he was he fully supported the decision to, to make John Shire the, the coach in waiting. But Chris Carrawell. Yeah, it was Chris, Chris Carrawell. Yes, that's who it was. It, he said if Jeff Capel was still on that staff, that's who they would have chosen. If Bobby Hurley was still on that staff, that's who they would have chosen. Because everybody in the school and on the coaching staff felt like it had to be a former player. It had to be someone that knew how Kay thought, knew how Kay operated, knew how Kay wanted things to go. So that when he left it behind, it would be with someone who knew what was expected and what to expect out of everybody. That's for sure. I, again, I know we have to get to a break, so cut me off if you need. But but the it's all about timing. Five years ago, if Kay walks away after they win the now. 15 championship or 17 or whatever it's jeff capel's job no doubt about it but time changed capel went to pit has it done great there let's face it uh and it's john shire's time and i know that's the other night in pittsburgh that was one of the things that was hard for jeff he was emotional that he's wiping away tears in pregame he, that's his job he wanted and he, uh-huh. he couldn't get it you <laughs> yep. know yep. he didn't want to sad win. I thought he, I heard he, was, he was told he was have to wait four or five years at the time before he would even have a shot, and that's why he took the pit job because he didn't want to wait. Yep. Well, there well, you go. He waited for it. He waited, but four or five yeah, because Kay he wasn't was ready to step aside. Yeah, right? yeah. Kay wasn't ready. Anyway, so yeah, but it was it was important that 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 a player definitely that was going to happen. It was going to be a former right. player. So let's get into a break here. We'll get into to the nuts and bolts of uh, the game to come uh, tomorrow afternoon. Right after this. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. One stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Saper family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. 
This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team, the 2018 National Arena League champions. Join us for our fourth year in the snake pit at the Greensboro Coliseum. Be a part of the Carolina Cobras tailgating group before every home game starting April 30th. Season tickets are now on sale for as low as two for $128. You can reach the ticket office at 336-455-7232 or at carolinacobras.com. Fear the fame. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. You are locked into Tobacco Road Sports Radio, your home for triad sports. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Back here on the score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by Steve Wiseman, the Durham Herald Sun, Raleigh News and Observer, Mr. Duke, if you will. Well, in case Mr. Duke, but you're just Mr. Duke Jr. <laughs> Robin to Batman, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Which reminds me, I need to go see that movie soon. Uh, if anyone has any reviews, don't say anything. Because um, I want to see how uh, a former uh, vampire does as Batman. Anyways, um, UNC, Duke, final round with Coach K on the bench. Um, Cameron Indoor, Steve, you're going to be there with everybody else that's going to pay uh, 100 grand and put their houses up for collateral um, to get into the building. Um, of course, you're not one of them because you have – um, a credential that afterwards you could probably sell on the internet for a hundred thousand dollars. Um, although if you'd like to give it to me, I could sell it too. Just saying. Um, anyways, what's it going to be like for you? Cause we know Co- uh, Kay's relationship with the crazies is about as unique as it gets. What, what do you think that atmosphere is going to be like tomorrow? Yeah. You know, every Duke Carolina game has this extra energy that other games don't. But just multiply that by ten, or right. because of of the historic nature of it, the you know the kids cram in there for ACC games, they cram in there even tighter and even more of them for Duke Carolina games. Tomorrow will be even more, like there'll be even less space. You know, try to describe for people where I sit. I sit with the camera and crazy sitting right behind me uh, when they when they're reaching over to 
with their hands when somebody's taking the ball inbounds. The like they're on top of my yeah, their their armpits are like my head. Like you know, so we get hit in the head with elbows a lot. I mean, we're right there. They're on our backs. And it'll be even tighter tomorrow. And we'll be in there longer because you know, the all the pregame stuff that's going on. And and then the, after the game, Coach K is gonna grab a mic and address you know the Cameron crowd for the last time, you know, as as coach you know, after his last home game anyway. So uh it's gonna be a long day. It's gonna be a lot of you know, there's going to be a lot of emotion on the court before the game and after the game. And then, oh, my gosh, during the game, you know, there's a bunch of guys out there that, that want to win more than anything because Carolina wants nothing more than to ruin this day. Right. Oh, yes. That's how it should be. <laughs> there it is. People were like, oh, why didn't you give K a gift when he came to Chapel Hill? How about we what? give him this gift of a big yeah. L on his final and uh, then, appearance at Cameron Indoor? Something that'll just live on forever. Yeah. Conversely. What Duke player wants to be known that when I wear that for the rest of their lives, right? Yeah. They lost you the were last the guy game. that lost the last Coach K's last exactly. game. Exactly. So <laughs> even though like it doesn't matter in the standings, right? Like Duke's got first place, nobody can catch him. That's done for them. Uh, but all this stuff's going on. Normally when Duke Car- Carolina are playing, locked into their seed too, aren't they? No, it's no. uh because the uh, if they win, three. they're the three, I believe. If they yeah. lose, they're the four. They're locked right. into a double bye. Right. Yeah. They're locked into a double bye, but not their Which seat. is so really Wake, all we want. Wake, yeah. Yeah. Wake needs serious help to get that double bye. I don't think they uh, right Well, now. I don't think they can, actually. I they, think Miami is the other one, the three or four. I think it's between Miami and Carolina. It's whatever Miami does. If Miami yeah. wins, it doesn't matter what Carolina does, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, Carolina has to win and Miami has to lose, if I'm not mistaken, for Carolina to get the three. Last I heard, Wake needed some kind of uh, NFL Week 18 style tiebreaker scenario to get the four seed. But I think they both know. have to lose, and right? Like, like else. you yeah. know, Carolina's got five losses in the conference. Notre Dame's got five losses. Miami has six. Wake has seven. Okay, so Notre Dame is the no wait. Notre Dame is the second seed, aren't they? Right, they're the second yeah, seed. Yeah, two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to be honest, anyway. three or four, it won't really matter in this tournament if you're the three seed or the four seed. If you're getting that double, it's really just those top four getting that double buy is what really matters. Right. So right. So Wake has a chance to catch Miami, and then we, then it's down to tiebreakers and stuff like that. So yeah. right. Anyway, so yeah, but if Miami wins, it doesn't matter. Like Wake doesn't have a chance because right, they can't. I, I think Miami, if Miami, if it goes to the first tiebreaker, Miami has it. Do they? Or was it one and one? Well, it'd be between Carolina and Wake, wouldn't it? In that tiebreaker for the bottom one, if Miami wins, if Miami wins, they're three. Like, no matter what, right? Right, right. I'm saying if, if, Miami, lose, if Miami loses and Wake wins. Carolina has to lose. Carolina has to lose. Right. Right. So right. then if Miami and Wake are tied, I can't remember if they've played once or twice. But oh, I, know, I know Miami. I'm looking it up right and, now. Yeah. Wake has the tiebreaker over Carolina because they only played They only once played once. Wake, yeah, Wake. The mud yeah. Hole Wake there. lost twice to Miami. Okay, so, okay, so okay, Miami has that tiebreaker for definite. So it's right. not a one and one. That's yeah, right. okay. So, anyway, yeah. Back to my point was that, yeah, my point was that, like, as far as normally when Duke and Carolina play the last game of the regular season, there's some sort of championship at stake, right? Or they're both top five teams or whatever. That's not the case this year. But all the stuff we talked about earlier about, you know, the the drive to to ruin a day or not, you know, not lose. For Duke, it's more about not screwing it up. Right, because they have exactly. more pressure. They, well, yeah, I mean, they I won by pressure on especially the human nature of it when they just you know stomped Carolina in Chapel Hill. And you come in, oh, we got that, we did this once, you know, mm-hmm. and that's see, that's, that's not the do that. thing that that's the thing that I wanted to ask you, Steve. Was there's got to be more pressure on Duke, um, and I wouldn't even necessarily call this a trap game or anything like that because they'll um, be ready. 
<laughs> yeah, Carolina will be. It, this is not a case in which uh, Duke would like not be ready. That Carolina would sneak up on them. Carolina might just have you know the ability to outplay them if the pressure gets to Duke at some point. And there's we talk about all the time how this team has a great mix of experience and youth. And this is a time when you lean on guys like like Mark Williams and and the other guys that are you know, you know transfers and experienced guys. Mm-hmm. You lean on those guys in times like this um, for games like this. And as we move you know further into March, but I think there's potential here. Um, not that Carolina would sneak up on them, but that Duke would just kind of feel the heat a little bit and, and go flat. They get tight, but I could see them getting tight in Cameron. I mean, Carolina has uh, a record of going in there and ruining senior night, like at mm-hmm. Carol at Duke. Like yep. it, you can go back to you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they beat them uh, in '92 late in their senior year. Yeah, uh, they beat them JJ Reddick senior year. Tyler Hansborough lived in Cameron Indoor pretty much, mm-hmm. uh, never lost there. That's um, right. Bryce he Johnson, Marcus Page, uh, one in there. He also lived in Gerald Henderson's right nostril. <laughs> we don't, we don't talk about that. that. Yeah, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't talk about that story, <laughs> but, right? Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you're right. They do, they, they do have a history. Exactly right. And, and, and Hubert's the coach. So, I mean, yeah. this no, is the best Carolina's been playing all year. If they were going to go see Duke at Duke, this is the best time to do it. They're as healthy as they're going to be. And it just comes down to don't get Baycott in foul trouble. Well, that's it. If he doesn't get two fouls in the first four minutes. Yeah. That's a different game in Chapel Hill. Let Caleb Love score. So it's so basic. Like, and we'll see who. I don't think he'll put Baycott on Ben Carroll again. I would think not. I like Leaky. I like Leaky on the last matchup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Puff Johnson's been getting some minutes too the past three or four uh, games, uh, especially on defense. Like they're starting to use his length. So I can see Puff. I'm not saying that Puff's going to lock down Paulo Ben Carroll or anything of that sort, but uh, he'll spell some minutes at least for Leaky. Sure. I think. So, and Paulo disappears. People don't talk about this. They want to put him in the player. Oh, that you're talking about it. You have I've talked about it. He, vanishes, he vanishes for like half a half sometimes. And then he shows back up. So yeah, I don't. I don't think he's the player of the year. He's not. Not even close. It's, it's Alondis Williams has it on a on a runaway. I yeah, think, he's going to lead the conference in scoring and assists. It's never not been done. Close. Yeah. No, that's easy. Randolph Childress and some other guys have come close, but nobody's ever done it. Nobody's yeah. ever done it. So Baycott should be second, I think, in the voting. He's he broke Bryce Johnson's double double record at, at Carolina with 24 and counting. The year Bryce did that, he was ACC player of the year. I mean, he, he's actually uh, one of the top double double guys in the whole country. Yeah. Him and the kid from Kentucky. Um uh, with the name Oscar Sheboy. Yeah. Sheboy. Sheboy. Yeah. Yep. yeah, that guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's been those two. I, uh, again, as I mentioned all the time, I'm Western Kentucky studio host. And of course they played down at Rupp. Um, Oscar Sheepway, it's one of the best games he had all year. He had 32 points and 28 rebounds. So yeah, that was, uh, yeah. (laughs) Mind you, Western Kentucky has the tallest player in college basketball. Who's seven, six and Sheepway because he's the seven, six kid is skinny. (laughs) Sheepway just hip checked him out of the way every time he got in there. It's like a toothpick. Just get out of here. Literally. (laughs) Like he's swatting away a gnat. But (laughs) anyway, see, I think that's the key though. There's, there's individual matchups here that, that are going to make a difference. Um, And we saw how much, how big of a difference that size made in that first matchup with with Theo John and Mark Williams. So, Obviously, the key for Carolina is it's hard to box those guys out, but 
you're going to have to find a way. Um, number one, number two, I think you're going to be have to be able to shoot the three ball a little bit better than you did last time because no doubt. I think this has. If Carolina is going to win this game, they're going to want to play it as fast as Duke wants to play it. They're going to have to match Duke's pace. It's going to have to be a track meet for them to want to be in this. And this is not going to be a Virginia-style, low-scoring defensive battle. This is this Thank is going God. to be a this is going to be a track meet. No, that'll be the most boring thing ever. Usually, fight, yeah. usually Duke game, Duke Carolina games are usually like in the eighties, high yeah. eighties. Yeah. Who the, yeah. the, the, the this, this could is. be this could be in the mid eighties to maybe nineties. I mean, this I'm, is going to be. I'm thinking through three quarters NBA style score. I'm worried more about Carolina's bench because Hubert has been forced to play his starters like 35 plus minutes a game, and I'm You're more talking about worried. Like three three guys on the bench in that rotation. He's got eight eight he, kids. Well, it's changed a little bit because last week when we were here, Dontre Styles was getting a lot of minutes coming off the bench, and then this past week he didn't really hardly play at all. Puff has been getting some minutes. Um, they don't have a backup point guard, so Caleb Love is out there pretty much the whole game. R.J. Davis is out there pretty much the whole game, and you get situations like what Caleb Love had on Monday where he's God awful for three fourths of the game, and then with like two minutes to go, three minutes to go, he hits two threes from the parking lot and some free throws. They go to overtime, they win the game, and it's like you don't know which Caleb Love you're going to get. But like I've said, it really doesn't matter who they play. If Baycott's not in foul trouble, he's going to do what he does. Caleb Love has to score at least 15 points for Carolina to win any basketball game. I don't care who they're playing, but if he's shooting two for 16 or whatever and has like six points. They are not going to win. There's just they don't have enough firepower to win. So it's really keep an eye on Caleb Love because he's going to be the key to the whole game. If he's hot in the beginning, it's going to be a good game. If he comes out super cold, Duke's just got too much. They just got too many dudes like this year compared to Carolina. So it'll be interesting. But I think it's just as simple as that. It comes down to Caleb Love and, and Baycott staying on the court. Yeah, that's that, a good that's point. That's the biggest thing for me is Love and Baycott are your your one A and one B in terms of X factors for Carolina. Duke has a lot more poison to pick from. Exactly. Their entire starting five is an X factor. That's where the problem lies. Like they had, you know, three 20 point scorers last week that gave me at Syracuse, you know, Griffin Keels and Nancaro. And, and that's hello. Mark Williams still plays too. Right. So I really hope this time to see Williams and Baycott in the post paddle. I want to watch that little game within the game. We were robbed of that last time, and I, I hope not to be robbed of that again. It's fun to watch. Yeah, that that created a hole. Carolina's not a team that can dig out of a hole uh, right. really quickly because they don't have the men. So, like, when Duke opened up that They don't have the shooters hole, either. Yeah, they. I mean, other than Love and R.J. Davis, Puff can shoot a little, but it's really Davis and Love. And Leakey's been shooting and, a little bit now, too. you got to respect him out there, but. Manning, I think Manning shot pretty well against Duke. Oh, and Manning, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Carolina, actually, they're one of the top three-point shooting teams in the country. Like, as a team, they're shooting close right. to 40%. So, I mean. And Duke's one shoot. of the best defensive three-point shooting for defense. So, it's good. Again, yeah. good good battle. Mm-hmm. That's what we want. We want battles. We want we good want battles. It. <laughs> yes. It, it would not be Duke Carolina if there wasn't some kind of – if there wasn't a battle of some kind to be had. Um, and I hope – I don't know if this is possible with the way the bracket is set up. But that there's a Duke Carolina game in the ACC tournament because that would be so fitting for for Carolina oh, to get one more shot at K. Where could be a semifinal? It's in it Brooklyn. Could be a semifinal. Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, if Carolina's the four, it would be a semifinal. So they would just have uh, to win on win on well, on Thursday. Thursday. Built win on Thursday. Play Friday. 
if Carolina's a two or, or a three, then they'll play late. They'll be the other side of the bracket. So mm. it wouldn't be dull the championship game. So, right. Ooh. And of course that's, there, there's potential for that to happen. And yeah, that'd be fantastic. At the, the last time that happened was what? 15, 16. I no, think. they met in 19 in, in Charlotte. Yeah. It was a semifinal year. Yeah. Great. That's great. Right. It was in Charlotte. One of the greatest games. It was great. Zion actually played in that game. If he I'm did. Right. He came yeah. back yep. and, and they had, a, it was a tremendous game. Because they they Good. swept them, Carolina swept them in the regular season because Zion missed Zion. both games. Yeah, right. and yep. then he was back for the championship. And it was like a one point game in the in the, in the semifinals they played. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it so, came down yeah. to the fi- yeah. it came down to the final shot. If I remember, it did absolutely. Both those yeah. teams were pretty evenly matched. Like a lot, they of were both one yeah. seeds. Yeah. They were, and yep. yeah, in Virginia, that was the, yeah, about, that was the peak of yeah, ACC that, basketball. That was the yeah, was. three of the four one seeds <laughs> were at the ACC. Open downhill since then. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, well, the ACC is kind of weak this year. Yeah. It's like pretty much every year since that year. <laughs> Auburn and Michigan State messed it all up for everybody that year, right? In the, in the tournament. They're doing the same thing this year. Auburn's Auburn's what third best team in the country michigan state yeah has been as high as 14 in the ap poll and then they go unranked and go out and beat you know number three purdue and you know purdue might all over the place yeah purdue might not get a one seed what tell me about it that that i don't think they're going to no i don't think so yeah that ending to that purdue wisconsin game the other night was just bonkers and the big 10's been wild all year but can you pick four one seeds right now no well gonzaga and arizona i think they're they're pretty set is Duke going to um, get yeah, one? Uh, I don't think I don't. They, a lot of has to happen, but it's yeah. possible. Now, two weeks ago, I thought they had no chance at a one, but they've won every game, so yeah. you know that helps. <laughs> and other people have lost, <laughs> but uh, you know, like if Kentucky and Baylor are up there, right? But if they both lose in their conference tournament, then that could open a door. I, mean, I think Gonzaga and Arizona, you can pretty much write them in pen. They're going to be one seeds. Mm. It, there's too much. I mean, they're not going to lose her. In the no, conference tournament, yeah, so. they're not going to lose yeah. their conference tournament. But Gonzaga never loses in their conference tournament. All the same. St. Mary's <laughs> finally beat. St. Mary's can do it, but again, they've got so much. But they're so much ahead. They're they're not going to drop down to the two line. I think they're both up there at one. Yeah, and and we'll talk about that more uh, next week as we get into uh, selection Sunday. But uh, before we get into break here, let's get some score predictions. <laughs> well, uh, I think Carolina's. I'll, I'll go first. I think they're going to shoot better. Uh, I, I think, you know, I think Duke's going to win. I think it's going to be like 83 to 74 or something like oh. that. So they, I think they're going to shoot better, but not <laughs> enough better. So that's that's what I'm going with. I was leaving, getting ready for the break, about to hit a commercial, and then you asked for a score. Um, <laughs> um, Strategery. I feel I, all week long I felt like Carolina can win this basketball game. Let, that no one is no one it's is not impossible i know it's not impossible i just think everybody's got what they saw the last time they saw each other you know still the taste of that in their mouth so they're like there's no way carolina's going to beat them at cameron k's final game obama in the stands there's no way carolina's going to do it i think they i'm going to go 85 to 81 carolina and if free throws free throws will win it for them in the end I'm going to go 91-89 Duke. And Four. yes, free throws are going to end <laughs> so it. So we've all got Carolina covering. Because the point yes. spread right now is like 12 points. So we all have Carolina <laughs> oh covering. Where, where's, my, where's my hammer? Caleb Love, <laughs> RJ. Caleb Love, RJ, Armando, get a whole bunch of sleep tonight. Like, go to bed now. Go to bed right <laughs> I, now. I, I, I saw the – I had a friend that texted me that, that I graduated with that works at a news station in Tucson. And he bet on – 
the team against the team he's covering. He's covering Arizona men's basketball. The spread against Stanford was 15 and a half. He wow. texted me three hammer emojis. against <laughs> the team he's covering. Because <laughs> Stanford, Stanford was in eight until like two minutes left in the game. And then in, in, in Arizona pulled away. But <laughs> <laughs> oh god we go back and forth about that stuff all the time anyways uh mm. steve feel free to stick around because uh we're gonna talk about the lockout and uh what major league baseball can do to try and salvage some semblance of this after a tuesday's uh disastrous day for the entire sport we'll talk about that next to the score with brett wiseman on tobacco road sports radio.com One Stop Number 6, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Safer family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. Open seven days a week starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern Cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's catering specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Dot com. Brett Wiseman joined this afternoon by Steve Wiseman, Michael Davis, and our producer Desmond Johnson. First, before we get into the where the uh, MLB stands right now, which is not good, um, a reminder uh, that mid-major tournaments are starting this weekend. 
um, for a lot of area schools um, this weekend and into next week. Davidson will be the number one seed in the Atlantic 10 tournament. Uh, Charlotte will be headed to the Conference USA tournament um, in Frisco, Texas next week. And beginning tomorrow against their arch rival, Georgia Southern, Appalachian State will go for the back-to-back uh, in uh, the great city of Pensacola, Florida for the uh, Sun Belt title. Anyways, uh, I'm just kidding. Pensacola is not a great city. I've never been there, but it's Florida, so it can't be that good. Um, anyways, <clears throat> I have a message for Rob Manfraud, who had the audacity to pen a letter to baseball fans after MLB's <clears throat> best and final offer um, on Monday after those bargaining sessions in, in Jupiter, Florida. It felt like Tuesday night, or Monday night, rather. No, it was Tuesday night. Tuesday night we were, or Sunday night into Monday when the deadline was supposed to be, and the deadline got extended and then into Tuesday. Um, it felt like we were making some serious progress. And then for some unknown reason, 10 hours after a 14-hour meeting of bargaining, uh, the owner said, no, we've, we've, now we've gone backwards. Um, this letter to baseball fans said how much owners wanted to get the game back on the field, how much the league did. Um, Rob Manfred said a month ago that losing games would be a disastrous outcome. He then goes uh, to the makeshift press conference area in Jupiter, Florida, and cancels opening day by no fault other than his own. It's his fault and the owner's fault. For this MLB best and final offer, what it had in it, the players call the slap in the face. There's more proof to that in the fact that the owners of the Reds and the D-backs and then two other owners voted against it. Generally, when, when a league presents a proposal in, in a situation like this, it's unanimously voted upon. Four, four owners voted against it. 26 out of 30 owners voted for it. The players unanimously voted to reject it. Now, there's a lot of legality stuff that we don't have time to get into um, that, that was in there, but it is no one's fault but Rob Manfred's and the ownership of Major League Baseball because your first mistake was oh, we're going to you know, institute a lockout and we want to get a fair deal in the spirit of, of uh, you know, good collective bargaining. We want to bargain. Yet you waited 43 days to make contact with anyone from the players' union. You waited 43 days from meeting before the CBA expired to even entertain the idea of bargaining. When on December 2nd, Rob Manfred went on national television and said, yeah, we want to bargain as soon as possible. You waited a month and a half. That doesn't make sense. And it's not like anything he does makes sense. He's the worst commissioner in sports, period. It's not even close. It's not a contest. The simple fact is, from the get-go, Steve, you and I knew that he wasn't really built for this job. You know, he only he really only got it because he was Bud Selig's right hand man for Bud Selig's last two or three years on the job. Rob Manfred is a terrible public speaker, and he proved that to a T uh, Tuesday evening 
um, when he failed to answer a lot of questions, A, in a, in a, in a timely, you know, concise manner, B, he didn't give the answers I think anybody in the MLB brass wanted him to give <laughs> because they asked him some pretty tough questions. He was like, yeah, but I, I, I don't know. <sighs> Bud Selig wasn't a great public speaker, but he got things done. And exactly. A lot of people complained about him and, you know, all-star game and the, you know, he's some bad looks on that, but we didn't have this going on. And nope. uh, we, nev- so, we never had a, we, we had one work stoppage, but yeah. that was, you know, I don't think we had, we've had anything like this. We haven't had anything like this in baseball since then, but I, unlike then where I've read about it and it was kind of twofold, it was on both sides. The players association isn't in this case necessarily fighting for themselves entirely. Right. They're like in- fighting for it. They're fighting for everybody behind them. Yes, minor leagues, all that stuff. Um, in 94, when they got down, like we knew it was going to be bad because they weren't even talking. And they came down to the deadline and they didn't even bother talking. They just said, yeah, we'll cancel the World Series. We're done. So this is not as bad as that because they aren't talking. But I, I'm like you, I'm surprised that they made the progress they made in the negotiations early in the week and then got to the end and then like it just blew up. Like that's not normally how... You're kind of working that's together. Not how, that's not how bargaining then, works. Right. So, so some, something happened, and the owners are two-facing the hell out of this. Right. This is, again, and there were a lot of players that came out and said this. Their statement that, oh, we're going backwards, that was another, you know, that, that that's that's a, a negotiating tactic. The ownership and their lead negotiators are trying tactic after tactic after tactic, and... The other thing that really bothered me was Rob Manfred's presser was shown in its entirety, completely, on on ESPN and MLB Network. When Tony Clark, uh, Max Scherzer, and Andrew Miller, who were the two head player reps uh, for the MLBPA, um, when they spoke at the MLBPA's media availability, the only part of that that was shown was Tony Clark's opening statement. Mm-hmm. And then ESPN and MLB Network both cut away from it. Now we're spinning narratives. Right. We're spinning narratives to the to the real guys that pay the money for the TV contracts. Right. So that's not that's not fair media. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. So, and, uh, you know. You wonder why Ken Rosenthal is not on MLB Network anymore. Right. Because he can now put out columns saying what he's probably thought about Rob Manfred for years now. Exactly. Um Jeff Passan did it with ESPN, and well, that's just just Jeff Passan doesn't care. Mm-hmm. Um, players have said they need to stop treating us like idiots. We know what we're doing. We know how to negotiate. They're prepared to miss games. Um, and the most emphatic statement was Mike Trout's, as in one of the four or five. We talked about it, you know, last week. One of the guys that's that's one of the faces of baseball right now. Uh, who, by the way, is in his prime and we're missing games of his. That's got to be a concern to, to Major League Baseball, especially. If you're trying to put butts in the seats, we've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who's hasn't even played one full season because, one, he was called up halfway through it. The second was a pandemic-shortened season. Last year, he was hurt for half of it. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the best young talents in the game, and he's only played 130 games in three years. I, th- I think and, we missed it. 
I think we mentioned it last week, but do you think it's because the age of the players in the league today, most of them are younger than the last time they had a lockout like this, so they don't really remember the damage that it caused to the sport? Or do they all know? Like, would they still know they, either way? They way? all know. They, they're all. I think they're all fully aware because Tony Clark was not the head of the MLBPA then, but but he was involved. He was he was involved with the organization. Tony Clark played, so naturally he has that position. But this is as unified as the players' union has been in quite some time, and they've gotten public press statements from the NBPA, the National Basketball Players Association, from the NFLPA. Um, and the NHLPA backing them completely um, and standing with them. This is a unified as the Players Union has probably ever been, if not been since 94 into 95. Um, because of where the lockout stands, uh, in case you missed it, we have the first two weeks or first two series of the regular season canceled. So basically the first weekend into the next week um, – which is a real opening day, which should be a national holiday. But anyways, um, the union wants, hold on, Des, I'll get you a second. Sorry. Um, the The union wants to ensure full service time because there are three guys that are marquee players in this league that would not get to free agency until a year later because they would not be given full service time for this year. Jack Flaherty, Pete Alonzo, and... I can't remember the other guy, but there's a number of guys that would not go to free agency until a year later and would automatically not be granted arbitration eligibility uh, because of a shortened season. And once I want Jack Flaherty to stay as a Cardinal, I know he probably won't. (laughs) He's too good not to test the open market. Pete Alonzo, the same way. Um, The players want to make sure these guys get their due. And... Whether it's those guys or the guys that are coming up, they want to ensure that service time manipulation is no longer, it's a thing of the past. And that when somebody gets called up, that was one of the financial things that the owners kind of caved to was there's going to be a bonus pool um, of money for guys that get called up in the middle of the season. So it almost defaults to like they played for a full season because they're sick and tired of guys that get called up and sit back down and they don't even really get paid hardly for if they're called up for two days. Like the guys that get called up for to be the 27th guy in a doubleheader. They, they, they get like, I don't know, a, a token to a David Busters as their game check. And then they go back to the minor leagues for 25 David Busters game tokens. Because that's about how much a minor league player makes. The average minor league player makes less than $20,000 a year. They make less than minimum wage on game checks every day and play 100 games out of the year. Right. The it's, their bo- it's their bonus that sets them apart when they get their signing bonus. But yeah. Right. They all yeah. make the same salaries. Right. And that's that's what the union is trying to solve with this. the And the international signing bonus pool, too, when teams go overseas and, and, and sign guys um, at 16 or 17. Um, they want incentive for teams to go out and get guys, and they want incentive – for teams to call guys up and they want to make sure when those guys get called up, they're getting what they deserve and they're not getting shortchanged, whether it's on playing time uh, or on pay. So I know we got to get to, to break here uh, soon, Des, but uh, what'd you have to say? Uh, quick question. How many games do you think they can afford to miss before they do, you know, irreversible damage to the sport? Because they're going to mess around and find out that the NFL is year round 
And after the draft is going to be, before you know it, they're going to be back in training camps, rookie camps, preseason, regular season. And we got spring football too. Spring football is happening with the USFL. NBA's got a lot of different crazy storylines going on. I mean, like they're going to get to a point, like if they're still locked out in, I don't know, May, June? I mean, wh- where is it? Where's the where's the line here? Do you think? Because you you're an actual you know baseball fan. Like, where is it for you? Where you just throw your hands up and you're like, you know what? This is just not like. Where is that date? I don't know. I don't know if there is a date like that for for people like me or Steve that are you're gonna stick are, around die, like as diehard as we are. Yeah, but I mean, people for others, like us like, are gonna stick around. But but like, if you get to like, I'm saying Memorial Day. So the end of May. Yeah. 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 I th- I that's think when that's, people start yeah. turning school lets out that's when tickets people start yeah, going to games more games. cities right right yep. right uh, more day so, games the weather's better kids are out of school there's right. more day games too yeah um that's kind of their pocket right there yeah and they're gonna blow it they're gonna that's, blow it that's they a are. point that was made by uh by jesse rogers of espn was he kind of he had a thought that and i, I agree with this completely the owners and the players, I think they're willing to miss up until miss at least the first month because they know that in May, when the weather starts to warm up, ticket sales start to go up, more butts are in the seats, and for both sides, that 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 that's a better outcome. But if there's one thing MLB can learn from, if it's not his own failure in 94-95, it is the NHL lockout. Uh, where they missed the entire 2004-2005 season. Uh, they missed an entire 82-game season because of a lockout. Uh, because that's the kind of you know damage that was done between that league and that union at that time. Um, and ESPN backed out of the last year of their TV deal, which was 04-05. Because the executives at ESPN literally told the NHL, your sport is dead. You have killed your own sport with this. We're out. The best deal the NHL got was on the Outdoor Life Network before it became Versus, before it became NBCSN. So they got a deal with NBC Universal, and when the when the league came back, there was that thank you fans message mm-hmm. uh, on every rink in the NHL, right behind the blue line. And that was the year mm-hmm. the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup, ironically. But ESPN literally told the NHL, your sport is dead. You killed it. This is your fault. We're done. How, how many years ago was that again? When that happened? That was 0405. So it's been, and now they, you know, now they have the new deal on ESPN Plus with NHL, yep. and it took it, them how long? Over a decade to kind of rebuild yep. it back to ESPN yeah. wanting the product. And so. it was like 19, as, as almost as, 19 years. Yeah. As much as I love the way what ESPN and, and uh, TNT have been doing with their coverage so far, and I think that's better for the game for it to be on those two platforms as opposed to NBC. NBC, the NHL would not be where it is right now to acquire those deals if it was not for what NBC did to literally bring the sport back from its grave in terms of coverage. One yeah. more thing before we go to break. Um, when and if we do get baseball games, um, ESPN has terminated its Monday and Wednesday night national broadcasts. So MLB is currently in talks with um, Amazon Prime, Apple TV Plus, and Peacock for streaming only Monday and Wednesday night games. I know they do that YouTube game of the week thing, but MLB Network would produce these games as they do the games on YouTube. So, And there's a potential, 
um, in the report from the New York Post that if Peacock ends up with their streaming games, that NBC would get regular season games on their air, either on NBC or on USA on cable. So um, say hello to our dog we're sitting uh, here. Anyways, <laughs> as we go to break, everybody say hi to Opal. Uh, we're we'll in a break here. Uh, What's when, up, we come, when, when we come back, uh, we'll talk about the NBA. The Hornets have fallen apart on the offensive glass uh, by no fault of Montrezl Harrell's, but uh, we'll talk about his impact in IT4 in the 704, what he did the other night in his debut. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Looking to change things up a little? Visit Salon Resi. Located at 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy, Salon Resi is the newest high-end full-service salon and spa in the triad. Salon Resi Spa includes massages and skin care. Get a full highlight treatment, shampoo and style, color and retouch, and much, much more. Salon Resi, where passion and creativity meet. 765 East Bluemont Road, Suite 200 in Mount Airy. Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irving and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. (laughs) (laughs) Three, two, one. Kersville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Forsyth Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything particular to get you hyped before a race? Uh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, stuff you can't understand. <laughs> that's, that's right up my alley. Tie game at 41. Murr takes the snap. Fade right corner of the end zone for Timmons. He oh bobbled it and then hold it in in the right corner of the end zone. Terrell Timmons Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Area softball stars. Register for the Diamond Star Softball Transfer Portal Showcase June 14th and 15th at Bob Lewis Park in Asheville, North Carolina. This showcase is for any player currently in the transfer portal or any JUCO player. Get the opportunity to showcase your skills in front of college coaches from all levels. Over the two-day event, players participate in evaluations such as softball skills and metrics by college sports evaluations, drill and team practice participation, and playing in three games. For more information, visit DiamondStarEvents.net or email Coach Ben McKinney at bmckinney at Diamond StarEvents.net. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by Michael Davis, our producer Desmond Johnson. A huge, huge thanks to uh, Steve Wiseman for coming on and spending uh, part of his afternoon f- with us as he prepares for Coach K's curtain call. A reminder, there's going to be 
a litany of programming on television tomorrow. Of course, after you listen to our morning programming here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, which we'll certainly be talking about. Um, everyone say hi to the other dog we're sitting. Um, that would be what Andy up? the Gray. That would be Indy the Greyhound, who's decided to make an appearance. Welcome to live uh, streaming slash radio. Um, anyways. Um, where does Indy remember me? Indy does remember you, Michael. Yes, he does. Nice. It's a great Super Bowl party. <laughs> yeah, for him it was a pooper bowl party. Anyways, um, Michael made him poop on the floor as soon as he walked in. Anyways, <laughs> yeah. I'm getting paid for it. That's all that matters. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're not sponsored by Rover, but I can tell you that I am on Rover. If if, if you want me to say Gog, uh, yeah. So pay me. Um, anyway, <laughs> the NBA, the association, um, the Hornets have fallen apart as far as on the offensive glass. I'm sure you can hear him in the background. Um, they're in the, I believe, in the bottom ten in the league right now in terms of offensive rebounding. And that's by no fault of Montrez Harrell's being there. Um, just the way things have shaken out lately. But he's made an immediate impact. And uh, Isaiah Thomas, IT4, on this 10-day contract, his first game in it, he played fantastic. Um, and you go out and get him because you traded Ish Smith to get Montrez Harrell. Now you've got two holes that are filled. Um, if IT4 can play good enough to, to stay on. To sign a second ten day. Do you Which think I that think happens? Can. I think, think I think it does. Yeah, I think it does too. Um, Look, as much as I love James Booknight, he's not ready to take on that many minutes. He's, he's too not. young. He's, he's he's too young and too young. immature, and like he needs another year or two. But he's definitely talented. He's definitely talented. If you he see is, some clips from G he's League, shown it, yeah. Well, yeah. no, he's shown it this year too. I mean, go back to the um, was it the second game of that back to back. Uh, home games against the Sixers or the Bucks. I can't remember who it was. Um, but it was back-to-back home games against, I think it was Philly. Uh, Gordon Hayward missed that three, and Booknight caught it off the back of the rim, caught it back here, and yeah. didn't even didn't even change his motion. Caught it and dunked it in one motion. He did that same dunk again this week in G League with the Swarm. Um, I covered the Swarm for uh, for Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated, and he had the same thing. He, had, he did like a behind-the-back pass in the lane, Guy caught it, shot a three, missed it, and somehow Book Knight was still in the area and just <laughs> went up and just grabbed it and took it well, home. All, all three of those guys, uh, Book Knight, Thor, and Kai Jones, have been going back and forth uh, from Greensboro to Charlotte pretty much for the past month and a half. Like, I'll get yeah. there's one tweet one day that says they called them up, and then a tweet the next day saying they reassigned them. So, well, every time uh, they, they send the big guys. Bodies. Every time they send the big guys down to the swarm, they just like feast. Uh, Thor yeah. and and Jones in particular. Jones Vernon, is averaging like Vernon Carey feasts anyways, but it's, again, he's nineteen and a half. So yeah, well, and he's gone now. Uh, yeah. with, uh, with oh, that's the, right. He was in the trade. That's right. Yeah, anyways. but but he was the one. They he was expendable because they had Kai Jones and JT Thor. You know, right there, two nineteen-year-old kids that I assume are the future of the of the position, which is why they didn't really swing too hard uh, at center and got. Uh, Montrez back to Charlotte instead of, you know, going after a Miles Turner or somebody out there that would have required a lot of draft picks. Um, it's just the wait and see. I think people are expecting the Hornets to be better than what they are, but to be honest, they're, they're kind of ahead of schedule of where they're supposed to be uh, right now. I think Lamelo drafting him last year like sped up the process. All of a sudden, Charlotte's like watchable. Like yeah. for the longest time, I wouldn't turn on a Charlotte game for 
anything else. Um, but unless they're playing Miami of, of or the Lakers or somebody, yeah. It was, yeah, they were one of those teams that you watched because they were playing somebody else that you liked. <laughs> so yeah, you'd start yeah them exactly, there. exactly. That's why I'd watch the Miami games. But getting Montrez Harrell in the trade, I'm just wondering when they insert him into the starting lineup as opposed to Plumley. If they decide to do that, should they? I, I'm what I'm thinking is they were waiting on him to mesh with everybody not named Terry Rozier. He's meshed immediately. He's immediately won over that that entire locker room with his personality and with his play. But Mason Plumley, by the same token, has stepped up his play tenfold since Montrezl Harrell came over. I mean, he pr- pretty much broke Twitter um, earlier in the week when he had that behind the back little, you know, looking like a point guard. Um, and he's, the he, he's done that in his career. He's brought the ball up before, but he's never done that. I mean, none of the Plumleys have done that except maybe in 2K. But, you know. <laughs> oh, they were I, I nasty think, at Duke. They were always dunking backwards and catching alley They were fantastic at Duke. They were they were legends. He they said were that, legends. He said that with such gritted teeth. Like you could actively see Des going, they were fantastic. <laughs> they were Greek gods at Duke. They, <laughs> they were Greek They wish they hadn't ran out of Plumleys. He wanted is there more another Plumley? There probably is another Plumley somewhere. I don't know. They, they probably turn them out like, soon the Plumleys, excuse you, um, the Plumleys are going to be like, um, Philip Rivers is just going to turn out quarterbacks as children. Oh, like we're gonna get to a point in the NFL. kids, doesn't he? I know that's what's what I'm saying. <laughs> we're gonna have <laughs> we're gonna have an, an eleven on eleven game where one eleven, one team of eleven is just the fighting Philip Rivers kids, <laughs> like just the entire eleven man lineup and, and none of line, them line, line, quarterback, running back, receivers, and none of them swear. Period. None of them curse. <laughs> Darn it! That gum it! That gum it! Oh man! That's the friggin' ball. Throw it uh, to you. That's that's my favorite thing about the Bleacher Report cartoon they do with the NFL. Um, is they make Kerm, uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes sound exactly like Kermit, and then every other word out of Philip Rivers' mouth is "dad gummit." <laughs> Patrick Mahomes sounds like Kermit the Frog. Well, I don't he know. He does already, frog, but he sounds like a Muppet. I don't know if it's Kermit the Frog, but he's kind of got that Muppet thing going on. But I think he knows by now. You Someone's know, had this you know, we we thought we were the better team in this game, but uh, you know, it. Uh, Mr. Put Ketchup on everything at Mahomes. <laughs> I had a friend like that that put ketchup on his pancakes one time. And, uh, if you put I've... ketchup on your steak, you should not be trusted. Like <laughs> you're one, you're one of those that our parents warned us about when we were. You're kids. one of those. <laughs> Get out of here. Matter Anyways, of back to the association. As far as the Hornets are concerned, I feel like Plumlee stepped up his game when Montrez Harrell arrived because it's almost like he felt threatened. He should have, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, like, he really oh, should oh, have. Oh, you traded for a center, did you? Right at the deadline? I'm a center. I'm the starting center. You traded for me. That's <laughs> yeah. what I thought this was about. <laughs> I need to step my game up here. And that's exactly what he's done, to his credit. As much crap as we've, as we've given him, he's stepped up his game. But I think the, the real key, I, I think Montrez Harrell, excuse me, I, Isaiah Thomas, I think he signs a second 10-day, and then he he has the potential to – I'm almost 90% sure that he will sign on for the remainder of the season. If it's because not him, then who? I don't know. I don't know who the backup is because Terry's playing too great at the – oh, look at that. That's magical. Oh, wow. 
Uh, but see, the Hornets are in that they're in that play-in spot again, and this is where we always talk about it with this team, where the where the inconsistencies lie, where they could be fifth or sixth in the East at one point, you know, lose two or three games to teams they know damn well they should beat, and now we're at that point now where that has happened, and then they go out and beat Cleveland the other night by thirty. Um, who's been, you know, in the top five of the Eastern Conference until they lost to Charlotte the other night. Uh, they lost to Charlotte. Boston won, so they flip-flopped. Hmm. You know what's yeah, crazy? Yeah. Looking at this... You just realized that. Yeah, the Brooklyn Nets in eighth are in danger of not making the playoffs. Out of all the conversation, yeah. all the talk, and everything that's going on about this Nets team, they haven't been able to get everybody on the floor... And they're sitting at 500, 32 and 32, and they've lost their last three. And Durant came back the other night and played great, but it's just like it wasn't meant to be. Shout out to James Harden because I've always disliked James Harden for a variety think, of reasons. I think he saw writing on the wall. Uh-huh. He was like, you know what? I didn't want to be here anyway. I wanted to go to Philly in the first place. And my man's in Philly now too, Daryl Morey. Make something happen. I'll pull the fat suit out of the closet. We'll we'll make this thing work. I'll be in Philly by the end of the week. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. And now. They're giving Shaq Kobe comparisons to Embiid and Harden, which I, you know, you need to pump the brakes a little bit on that. But uh, they're still that's a, a hard three. stop. Yeah, yeah. Still, I will say though, I'm surprised how well they're playing together. Uh, Harden scored like 81 points in his first three games as a 76 or Like this is gonna work. Uh, I think they might come out of the East. Wasn't and, Philly and, like and, a four seed before the trade? They've won four straight, so. Yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah, Everybody's believe, all bunched I, up. I believe Milwaukee was the two when that trade was made, and now even Chicago has or jumped Chicago. up. So. Mm-hmm. Chicago so, was the at the top of the East for a lot of the year, and now you're Miami Heater there. So, look, it's tough outside of those first four teams for me to say who other than them would be you know, a favorite. Nobody, nobody's sneaking up on anybody at this point. The Hornets really have a chance. Them. The Hornets, I don't think, have a chance right now to get into that top six. Um, I think they get into mm-hmm. the play-in tournament. Um, again, they end up there, but, um, so that'd be said what, all the, the play in tournaments, what now? Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Yeah. Seven through 10. So I, I think at the highest they could get to seven, there's no way they're getting into the top six at this. Yeah. Point. Right now they're um, about four games behind the Raptor or the Cavs at six looks like. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I don't really trust any of these teams. Now that I'm sitting here looking at them except for maybe the bucks if they're healthy. See, that's the point I wanted to make was. I think Milwaukee has to be the favorite in terms of they have guys, A, they're the defending champions. B, they have the most guys with major playoff experience. Um, Miami only has two or three of those guys. Philly only has two or three of those guys. Chicago has one of those guys. It's DeMar DeRozan, and that's it. Because Zach Levine has not been in the playoffs the entire time he's been there. If anything, he was barely in them. DeRozan um, needs to be considered for MVP. Honestly. I think he is. Like I, I think he is. I, I think he, he should be if he's not already by now because he's just having a whale of a season. Nobody's talking about him enough, and nobody was talking about the Cavs enough before the All Star game. But you know was, what? He, you know what he's doing? He's doing his best Kawhi Leonard impression, pretty much, because that's pretty much DeRozan's game. Him and Kawhi Leonard—they're the kings of the mid-range jumper. It's pretty much yep. how Jordan became the goat. Like they're literally yep. doing. Jordan's most overlooked aspect of his game, which was his mid-range jumper, where he can get Kobe it off. Too. Kobe, Kobe too. Kobe was Kobe a master at that. Jordan. Yeah, Kobe copied yep. it from Jordan. So, I mean, 
DeRozan, uh, DeRozan scored like over 30 points, like five, six games in a row or something right he's now. Averaging, he's yeah. averaging 28, 20. He's averaging close to 30 a game. I, year, I, think it's, so. I think it's going to come down to uh, him, Joel Embiid. I would have said Chris Paul if he hadn't got hurt. Because um, somehow the Suns are still holding on to the number one in the West. And they will. And they hey, probably good, will, good, yeah. Good segue. I mean, there's there's a large gap there, but... Um, Seven and a half games. I heard Kendrick <laughs> yeah. Perkins with another one of his wild takes um, that uh, the um, Suns were going to drop out of the one seed because they didn't have uh, Chris Paul. Cheerio. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think Kendrick Perkins knows who else is on the rest of the roster. I think he just knows two or three names per team. That's a lot of the them, rest, guys. The rest a of the time is the rest of the time is heads in the toilet. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that dude's deal is. I'm telling I you. like Kendrick Perkins. He's just he's just being himself, but he's and they're they're giving him the like, ability to be himself. But yeah, and I love that. But still, he's he's eventually he's going to turn into Marshawn Lynch at some point, where he's just going to you know lose all <laughs> semblance and go on a the, the Manning cast and be like, whoa, oh. What uh? What do you think about the bottom here in the West, uh, Brett? With uh, my Lakers just basically not even treading water, they're just taking on water on a boat, and LeBron's just sitting there with a little sailor hat on, like <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. But kind of got to stay here now because I kind of told him I would. But uh, he back he backed off of those whole those. He he said he didn't think his comments were going to uh be interpreted the way they were all star weekend about how he wants to play with his son he'll go wherever he is blah 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 lebron you knew what exactly. about that could what about exactly that could have been interpreted what about that could have been interpreted yeah. any other way they took it exactly the way you said it and now he's like oh well, i'm i'm going to be a laker for life i'll be here forever blah 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 uh something's wrong with this laker organization right now something's off there's like, no doubt and it, even when the trade deadline passed mm-hmm. there was that conflict there were conflicting reports out there that LeBron and Russ pressured the Lakers to go make a move and the Lakers said no. And then there was a conflicting report that said the Lakers wanted to make a move bad, but LeBron and Russ said no. So now now I'm hearing they're saying that uh, the Lakers and Westbrook collectively are saying they're going to shop him to another team at the end of the season and that both sides are okay with it. So, I mean, Russell Westbrook is a weird story. League MVP. He's been on what three teams now? Four teams now in the past three years. Oklahoma City, Houston, Wizards, Washington, yeah, and yeah, and the Lakers. Wow. Yep. Washington was pretty quick. I almost forgot about that one. It was also in the middle of a pandemic, so it's not like it actually counted. But anyways, um, speaking, if I may, like speaking of the pandemic, like the Lakers won their only title with LeBron during the pandemic, so. Seeing how the Lakers are post-pandemic or, you know, post-lockdown or post-bubble or whatever, like, does this tarnish, like, the Lakers organization right now? Like, I don't know if I'm a player. I want to go to Lakers just seeing, like, how yeah. the last few years have been handled. I don't know if it tarnishes. I don't know if it's the Lakers. I, I think it's it, Yeah, it delegitimizes LeBron's impact on that team. It doesn't delegitimize the Lakers winning that title. Uh, because LeBron was not the only one that made an impact on that team. It wasn't like LeBron's Cleveland championship teams where AD was the best and, player on that team. Yeah. Anthony Davis was especially in that NBA finals. Anthony Davis should have been the finals MVP in my mind, but it went to LeBron because he's LeBron. Well, um, well, Anthony Davis was the, too. I just want my damn respect too. I use, that gift. <laughs> I use that gift more than I should. Anyways, <laughs> Anthony Davis was the best player on that team before the pandemic hit 
and he was the best player on that team when the season resumed in the round robin, and he was the best player for that team in the bubble the entire playoffs. The only reason why the Lakers won that that bubble tournament was because they were in the bubble. They had how right. long? How long did they stop the season? Like two months, three months, something like that, and then came back and they were in came Orlando back in August. Yeah, August. yeah. So they literally they gave that that Laker team was like the oldest team in the league. Like they gave them a chance to rest, and then you you take away travel for yep. old and rival crowds. Like it yep. said, basically the Lakers won this title in a YMCA. In an empty YMCA gym. That's pretty much why. And you wonder, you wonder why we call or everybody calls it a Mickey Mouse championship, and that's now Mm -hmm. a term on Twitter because it was a, it was won at Disney World. B, it was almost you know handed to him on a silver platter. (laughs) But like you said, Michael, it doesn't delegitimize everybody else on that team because even other than Anthony Davis, Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, had a pretty big impact on that team. Brandon Ingram was a really big part of that team as well. there were a lot of guys not no, Ingram, Ingram, Ingram was in New Orleans by that point. That's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, Rondo. Rondo had a resurgence. Rondo, yeah. Rondo. Yep. See, this is my thing as a Laker fan. Why did they break that team up? Like, I don't understand. If you sign LeBron for four years, why do you think you can just swap out everyone else beside LeBron and AD every offseason? Like, you're not creating cohesiveness with your team. Why did you not resign Montrez Harrell? Why did you not resign Dwight Howard right after that championship? Why didn't you resign Rondo? They would have came back on vet minimums. They were there on vet minimums to begin with. But you cleared them all out and try to redo the roster a different way. That didn't work. This year, you try to do it again, but older. That's not working. AD's hurt again. And it's like it feels like LeBron's just stat padding right now. Like he's out there like checking the clock and making sure he gets his 30 points or whatever because he's trying to break Kareem's record. But this Laker team is dumpster juice, man. Like, and I'm a Laker fan, and I'm saying this. Like, they're just not good. I don't even watch them on TV. Like, I'm like, why? Why am I going to put myself through two and a half hours of just watching? Did you see the sequence the other night with LeBron? Uh, he had bullied somebody down into the paint. Was that the Clippers game last night? Yeah, and like they yeah. they didn't throw it to him, and like three separate dudes tried shots, and they each missed. And by the time the third one missed or whatever, you literally can see LeBron's shoulders just sag, and he's just like. <laughs> And then they go back up the other way. It's like the 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 definition of this year for the Lakers. It's just been a disaster. And they don't have anything to trade with. They have nothing to trade with now except for either LeBron or AD. And like, like and you bring- said, Michael, to, to, to the point, um, it doesn't delegitimize the Lakers. It delegitimizes LeBron's impact on that team. And now that the onus is only on him and only on him and Russ, basically, because Anthony Davis is still, you know, off and on injured those two guys, LeBron could only carry the Cavaliers so far until he carried them as far as he could. Um, he carried them to those those two championships in three years, and then, boom, he was out. He'd expended all his energy there. Um, I think he's expended all pretty much all his energy with the Lakers to this point because, as you said, there's just been so much turnover. Um, the only thing with the Cavs was that when they built around LeBron, they weren't necessarily star players, you know, but they also, they were, they were Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope kind of guys. If it wasn't LeBron and Kyrie Irving, it was good role players like, you know, a, a J.R. Smith or a Richard Jefferson, uh, guys that had experience that they brought in on, on vet minimums. Um, the Lakers followed that model for one year and then completely blew it up. I mean, just completely blew it up. I mean, they might be different if AD wasn't constantly getting hurt. He's missed like right. I don't know how many weeks at this point. Seven I think weeks, this eight team weeks. Would, this team season. would probably be in the top four or five of the Western Conference if Anthony Davis was not 
off and on hurt like he has been all year. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, probably somewhere around where the Grizzlies, the Jazz, the Mavs, that three, four, five. I don't think they By would the way, be. Can, for can, the before we go to break, can we talk about John Morant for a second? Ooh, yes, please. Mm. It's like if Allen Iverson and and Derrick Rose had a baby. That the end of that second quarter the other night where he. By the way, uh, Yaka Pertle, retire. You're done. Just go. Bye. You're, you're <laughs> done. Like, John Morant literally, he didn't just baptize you. Like, he sent you to the shadow realm, my guy. I mean, he practically jumped over you. He pulled the Vince Carter and jumped over you in a game. How tall Number, is John Morant? 6'1"? 6'2"? 6'1". Yaka Pertle is like 6'10". Yeah. And John Morant's... <laughs> Nether regions were on his forehead. How do you by think the time he reached the rim? How do you think uh, the owners of the New Orleans Pelicans feel? Well, I was about to say rim? that. <laughs> How do you think? What do you think? Do you think they kind of look at each other like? Mm, mm, mm. And I think just, they look at each other like that a lot. They also look over at Zion uh, <laughs> inhaling his po' boy. While he's sitting on the couch the drinking Mountain Dews, practicing for my eating next eat, eat, eating Doritos. <laughs> He's playing himself on Xbox because he can't get off the couch. <laughs> I, wonder what, I wonder what uh, what uh, career arc Zion's my player took in 2K22. <laughs> they did say his bone is healing. Uh, still gave no uh, date for his return. It, we're in we're in March. He hasn't played a, a single minute of this season. Like, why are they continuing his to bone act is like healing. he back? And that's all we have. It's, it's healing well. It's doing what we expected. It's still going to be a little time before he gets on the court. Status undetermined. And it's like the season's going to be over in like a month and a half. Like just Their just season's already over. Yeah, just sit him out. Well, You're not going to make the playoffs. Sit him out. They might be in the play-in, but he's not oh, they are in tenth. shape. They are 10th. They're actually right behind the Lakers. <laughs> They're <laughs> <behind> the Lakers. <laughs> the only thing I'm rooting for for the Pelicans is Devontae Graham. Go Devontae Graham. Uh, also, when I saw that Isaiah Thomas highlight the other night pop up on Twitter um, after I watched the, the Hornets game, it took me like 10 minutes to realize that it wasn't a Devontae Graham highlight that somebody just re-racked. <laughs> <laughs> it looked the exact same, except he was left-handed. Anyways, we got to get in the break here. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll talk some hockey and then the uh, wrestling roundup time to round up, wrap up the show after this. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, we ask the tough questions. Hey, you got any left-handed footballs? We're never afraid to tell you how we feel. Oh, we look like the damn bad news bears. We'll debate sports. We'll debate anything. And you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther King. Not the winner, but yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. No matter what, Tobacco Road Sports Radio has you covered. I'm going to come right back at it. Soldier. You're listening to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. 
One stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Saver family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras Arena football team, the 2018 National Arena League champions. Join us for our fourth year in the snake pit at the Greensboro Coliseum. Be a part of the Carolina Cobras tailgating group before every home game starting April 30th. Season tickets are now on sale for as low as two for $128. You can reach the ticket office at 336-455-7232 or at carolinacobras.com. Fear the fame. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined on this Friday afternoon, the first in the month of March, by Michael Davis and our producer, Desmond Johnson. Uh, Talk hockey here for a second. Uh, Des, if you could do me a whale of a favor and for our wonderful viewers, put up the NHL standings Okay. Uh, right now, since we have that ability. Um, just now figure that out. Anyways, um, somebody told me the other night that the Carolina Hurricanes are on pace to shatter their goals against record for, the, for their, their goals allowed. The record right now as it stands for the fewest goals allowed in a regular season by the Carolina Hurricanes is 202. They've allowed 126 to this point and have 29 games left to play. So if that average of 2.38 goals against average stays, that record's going to be shattered. And there were fans that came at me last year and before that when I told them that that's... Um, Oh, goaltending's not our biggest problem. We need we need another defenseman or we need a fourth line forward. No. Look at the stats. You are allowing the least amount of goals you have ever allowed by a large margin. Don't sit here and tell me goaltending was not your issue. I'm, I'm tired of hearing it. Numbers, those numbers do not lie. And now you're in first place as a result of Frederick Henderson being a superhuman brick wall. Um, Top five in the NHL on save percentage right now. He's in the conversation for uh, the Vesna Trophy, which is uh, awarded to the top goaltender um, in the NHL every year. But here's the problem. You still play in the same division as the Panthers, the Lightning, the Penguins, the Leafs, the Rangers, and the Bruins, who are all 70 or above in terms of points. Carolina's at 79, Florida's at 77, Tampa's at 76, Pittsburgh's tied with Tampa, Toronto is only one ahead of New York, and then there's Boston, and then there's, you know, the Capitals, but Columbus is kind of coming out of nowhere at this point to try and make an impact, but, you know, everybody else is just, I mean, look at this, the Eastern Conference standings, um, and the, these standings kind of mix the two divisions, Des, if you could swap over to the uh, the divisional tab there, because, um, you scroll back up there. And, and, 
There you go. Okay. So, again, you're in the same division as um, the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Caps. Uh, you can never count the Capitals out, regardless. Um, and then on the other end of the conference, you've got uh, Florida, Tampa, Toronto, and, and Boston that are that are duking it out. So, you know, the, the, the top four in both those Eastern Conference divisions are tight. Um, and as we sit now two and a half, three weeks away from the trade deadline on March 21st, 17 days away, so about two and a half weeks, um, the question has to be asked, and we asked this to Ryan Smith last week. Um, if you're the Hurricanes, do you almost feel threatened or do you feel like you have to make a move? I don't think so. And, and Ryan agreed with us on that last week, despite his, his connection being off. And we'll, we'll, we'll get him on again soon to discuss that. But if anything, you make a depth move. But then again, the, the Hurricanes made depth-style moves in the offseason um, when they went out and got Ian Cole, when they went out and got Vincent Trocheck. Uh, when they went out and got Tony D'Angelo, they made depth moves to fill minor holes on their team. Granted, Dougie Hamilton was not a minor hole, and signing Tony D'Angelo to replace your top-performing defenseman uh, was, at the time, not thought of as the best idea, but it's turned out to be a whale of an idea. Now he's on the shelf for a month and a half. You have to call up your top defenseman prospect, so it begs the question, okay, do we need to go get a defenseman? I don't think so. Because the defensemen that are on the market, there's a lot of big-name guys. Uh, you've got Jacob Shikrin um, of the Arizona Coyotes, although pretty much the entire Coyotes franchise is up for sale at this point, except for the franchise itself. Pretty much the entire roster is up for sale. They're going to go play in a 5,500-seat arena next year because they can't afford to keep their lease at their current one. Um, just move already. I don't know. Anyways... Um, the joke of a franchise, but pretty much that entire roster is up for grabs. Jacob Shikrin's one of the top 10 defensemen in the NHL in multiple categories. Um, and then you've got, um, Thomas Shabbat, who is over with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, they're having a historically bad year and they were in the Stanley Cup final last year and they've only won 10 games the entire year to this point. Um, and have fired their head coach. Uh, Martin St. Louis done a great job as their interim, but. That's that's uh, beside the point. Um, I don't think if you're the Hurricanes, you need to make a move for a defenseman because at the very least, you're going to find one that's mid-market, but you're still going to give up too much for what you're going to get back. Um, I think they can fill that hole that's left by D'Angelo um, for the next month, month and a half, which is about as long as we have left in this regular season. I don't think that's going to be an issue for them. Um, there's not really a whole lot of teams in this Eastern Conference that I think need to make a move. And what I heard uh, the other day was that there's a lot of executives that are waiting for guys to come off either their long-term IR or come off teams that they're talking about guys with those teams having guys come off their long-term IR. Because if you remember how long-term injured reserve works, that's how the Tampa Bay Lightning stocked up a super team last year and then pulled Nikita Kucherov off long-term IR in the middle of the playoffs and won, won their second straight Stanley Cup, $30 million over the salary cap. And the NHL has probably the strictest salary cap 
of any team in sports, which is why it's as parodious as it is. Um, the last time the Florida Panthers were on top of their division was 1997 um, when they lost to the Avalanche to stay on the cup final, who unironically are on top of the, the Central. Um, and we'll get into the West in, in okay, right here. Sorry. Um, yeah, the Avs are running away with the Central. Uh, the battle's behind that. You got my St. Louis Blues there at 70, Minnesota's at 67, Nashville's at 64, Dallas is at 63. So all four of these division races are going to be tight. And if you do not remember exactly how it works, top three teams in each division get in two wild cards per conference for the greatest 16-team tournament in all of professional sports. Which, by the way, they just changed the logo for the Stanley Cup playoffs. So I'm interested to see how either they'll ruin it or make it better. But the, the rendering I saw was garbaggio, so I don't know. Um, the Pacific Division is meh. Uh, but still, Anaheim and Los Angeles are exactly where no one expected them to be, above the 60-point mark in the beginning of March. Um, Anaheim's kind of fallen off of late, but they're still only five or four behind on the Kings. Nobody, nobody in their right mind expected the Los Angeles Kings to be ahead of the Edmonton Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights right now. I mean, for goodness sake, this team won 14 games in a 56-game season last year. And... Nobody expected them to be where they are, but they have a ton of young talent. Los Angeles only won 16 games in the 56-game season last year. Both those teams have now pretty much oh, almost close to doubled uh, those totals. And there's a lot of guys that we've talked about on here before that have made that kind of an impact, but those are also two teams I don't think need to make any kind of moves at the deadline. I, I think most important thing as far as teams that need to make moves, we'll start with Edmonton. Because their problem is and always has been goaltending. Because of the offense that they have, Edmonton's management, because they have the two leading point getters in the NHL, they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, who just passed McDavid for the league-leading goals the other night. Um, they have those guys, and they have Ryan Nugent Hopkins that can also light the lamp a ton. Their mentality has always been, okay, we just need a competent goaltender. Like, like like, an NFL team would need a game manager quarterback because they have, you know, an all-world running back or an all-world defense. Like, we just need somebody to manage the game. We need somebody to keep, you know, four or five pucks out of the net. You can let all the others in because we know we're going to make up for it. It's not how the NHL works anymore. It's not how it's worked in a very long time. I'm not sure it's ever worked that way. Um... Edmonton needs to go out and get a frontline goaltender. Braden Holpe of the Dallas Stars is one of the um, he's one of the top name goaltenders on the market. Mark Andre Fleury's name has floated around um, as the Blackhawks have tumbled in the standings um, after they made the trade for him. Um, there's going to be a, a pretty fair amount of not necessarily elite goaltending, but goaltending that's not you know. Miro Koskinen, who's Swiss cheese at this point. He's got more holes than my grandpa's socks. I mean, he's letting everything in at this point, I'm telling you. Um, Edmonton's got to get a goalie, period. If they want to go win a cup like they've talked about doing for the last four, five, six years, they got to go get somebody that, you know, 
doesn't have a five hole the side of the the size of the state of Utah that doesn't let every other puck into his net. Um, for the Central, of course, Colorado does need to make a move. Look at them. Plus, they have you know the fastest skater in the NHL and the top five goal scorers in the NHL all in the same line. Uh, you got McKinnon, Rantanen, and uh, uh, who's the other guy I'm thinking of? Uh, Burakovsky. Yeah, all in the same line. Three of the top five in goal scoring all on the same line. Um, and Nazem Kadri's playing out of his mind too for them, the former Leaf. Um, St. Louis needs to go get a defenseman. Um, but again, they, like in Carolina's case, do not need to spend a ton of capital to go get said defenseman. They have depth, they just don't have enough depth there. And St. Louis has been decimated by injuries for a lot of the year. Um, and COVID, before that Christmas pause, uh, St. Louis would play games four or five skaters short. Um, and that was before the NHL really started to take into account that Omicron was a thing and start postponing games. So St. Louis had a tough stretch, so that's why they're not any closer to Colorado than they probably could be had they been you know, e- even with all those guys out because of COVID and injuries in, in November and December, there's a lot of games that they were in and would have won had they been even close to full strength um, that because they were three or four guys short, they just ran out of gas. Um, if they call guys up just to run two or three minute sh- two or three second shifts, um, if it was a 20 or 30 second shift at that and that was it, just get, they just need somebody to go out there and take up space at that point. Um they need to go get a defenseman because Nico Mikola, as good as he's been for them all year, you need that depth guy that's not a Mikola or a Bortuzzo. You need one that's more offense-friendly, um, that can hop in on the play. Not that Mikola and Bortuzzo don't, but they're more known for their physicality and being back on their heels than pinching up offensively. And that's been a hallmark of the Blues championship team in 19, the Capitals in 18, and the, the, the Lightning the last two years is... All those teams were in the top five in NHL in terms of points generated by their defensemen. When your defense get involved, it makes it a lot tougher on the opponent. Getting the break here. Wrestling Roundup coming up right after this. We're listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality-used car, and they can help you, too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 326-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com. The wait is over. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails is now open. 3050 University Parkway inside the Best Western Plus Hotel. 
Open seven days a week, starting at 11 a.m. daily. Freshly made Southern cuisine with signature cocktails and lunch specials daily. The location for your next event with Simply Sonia's catering specials. Open now. Simply Sonia's Southern Cuisine and Cocktails, 3050 University Parkway, inside the Best Western Plus Hotel in Winston-Salem. Carolina Cobras. If I take that bill, I have no Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right here? Yeah. Are we right here? Yeah. Yeah. Tobacco Road Sports You deserve to get good service and great rates. At State Farm, we get it. And we're here to help because with every State Farm policy, you get good neighbor service and you get surprisingly great rates. So what are you waiting for? Get going and talk to a local State Farm agent about your surprisingly great rates today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Individual premiums will vary by customer. All applicants subject to State Farm underwriting requirements. When you want the real deal, call State Farm agent Susanna Nunn in Kernersville today. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome back one more time to the score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by wrestling experts Michael Davis and our producer Desmond Johnson. One more thing before we get into that um, report out from ESPN. The MLBPA is reportedly going to at least entertain the idea of a 14-team playoff in order to have a breakthrough in the discussion. So, uh at this point, I think Major League Baseball just needs to put all 30 teams in the playoffs and just play a nonstop 365-day season. So, anyways. Um, also of note, there are a number of summer collegiate wood bat teams, most notably one of them in Bismarck, North Dakota, that has banned Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred from their ballpark, either for life or for the remainder of the lockout. Uh, the team from Bismarck's statement reading that Rob Manfred hates fun and goes against the team's core values of fun and fan engagement. And love for baseball. Jokes on them. Rob Manfred doesn't want to watch baseball, anyways. So, anyways, when I, I mean, when I think of fun, I do think of Bismarck, South Dakota. So, you know, the jokes on you. Go Bison. <laughs> wow, banning uh, Rob Manfred for life is kind of like banning CM Punk from WWE for life. I've, I've banned <laughs> Rob Manfred from from life for life from any within like fifty feet of me. I've already gotten a federal restraining order against him because I might strangle him if he comes near me. Anyways, go ahead. Oh, nice. So, um, speaking of strangleholds, we got wrestling this weekend. Ah, oh, I see um, what you did there. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so we have the alternate to WWE. We have All Elite Wrestling AEW, which made big moves this week by acquiring Ring of Honor something that WWE's been trying to do for a long time, uh, creating the, trying to get the video library from Ring of Honor. Obviously, ROH has let all their talent go. And now Tony Khan has made the second biggest wrestling acquisition in history behind Vince, obviously, 
buying WCW back in the 90s. And so all of that in hopes of going into AEW Revolution this Sunday. I, I'm hoping I don't really watch AEW. I keep up with what's going on over there, but I don't make it like a weekly thing to watch it. I kind of just, you know, read the dirt sheets and just kind of know who's what and who's the champion and that kind of thing. I, I, I fear they're growing too fast. Like, I don't want this to be WCW 2.0. Like, I, I, I'm a little concerned about that, but um, it's good that there's something else besides WWE because for really 15 plus years, it was just WWE. And basically they were having to create their own competition within WWE. And it made for some stale storylines and really about a decade lost where we didn't have a whole lot of like, uh, guys like a stone cold or the rock or triple H or someone that big main event level kind of breakthrough other than John Cena, really for the most part. And Randy Orton, uh, Brock was gone. So, I mean, you know, I'm a little, worried for aw but they do all the stuff that i wish wwe would do like i'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of like uh stables like i feel like stables are the way to elevate your mid-card talent uh and that was when wwe was doing that or in the attitude area there was like five or six stables that are out there and from those stables you got the main eventers for the next 10 years the rock mm -hmm. triple h you know what i mean uh edge you know so you kind of got them from there and wwe from all accounts hate stables they don't like doing them uh if they do them it's like a three-man thing uh, but AEW is a hurt business too, which I still don't understand to this day why they did that. I mean, that was one of the best things on Raw, and they broke it up for no reason other than to try to push Lashley without a crew. But uh, I would replace them actually. I, I always thought that they should replace them with the Street Profits, put the Street Profits with them as a newer version of the hurt business, and, and go from there and let Bobby be a heel with a heel stable and let people chase them like a seth rollins or a kevin owens or whoever that's how you get people to watch smackdown again but uh i don't even know when lashley's coming back he's he's injured he's gonna miss wrestlemania isn't he yeah he uh he got hurt in that brock lesnar match at the yeah. Royal rumble that's and, why i was uh, such a squash in the hell in a cell oh, uh elimination, elimination chamber. yeah he didn't even wrestle uh yeah. the, the thing so so um, hopefully bobby lashley uh gets healthy and comes back. I would be interested in seeing with the Street Profits. I feel like Montez Ford has it when it comes to charisma and getting a reaction from the fans. Him as a heel, that could be something. Um, but this this Sunday, Des, if you want to get into AEW, this will be the pay-per-view. Do it. They have sure. Adam Cole, formerly of NXT, comes to AEW. He's going to wrestle Hangman Page for the AEW world title. But the biggest – the biggest match is going to be MJF, which is the biggest heel in wrestling right now, versus CM Punk in a dog collar match. They're finally going to do it. They're finally going to. Oh, well, they had one before. Didn't they have a match before? But this they is had like a, a... They had a match a couple weeks ago. Um, it was CM Punk versus MJF, standard, typical wrestling match. And MJF cheated once to put him to sleep. They restarted the match, and then MJF cheated again to win a second match. So now he's had the, oh, I beat CM Punk twice in one night. I'm better than the best in the world. Yeah. But with AEW... Do you, like, feel like the, do you feel the CM Punk returns kind of fizzled out? Or like in the Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson returns of kind of... They didn't really push him as hard as they could have? Because it really feels like CM Punk's just become a regular wrestler at this point. Um, I don't think so. I feel like it's good that... With WWE, when they bring in like these legends, they're only shown like 
for pay-per-views when they're wrestling. And CM Punk's actually returned for wrestling. And some of his best promo work has been the last several weeks when he pulled the dog collar out of the box with, you know, will you be my Valentine? Um, that was a really great promo the last, uh, about February 16th, I believe was on Wednesday. Um, so this is his best work in my opinion. Real quick, uh, cause we're up against it. Franchise players coming up right behind, uh, the score, uh, Ryan stone, JP Monday, they have special guest, David Glenn on this, uh, this week. So that should be a pretty good episode. You can stick around and listen to that. The uh, legend, the legend DG, um, Mike, what what are your thoughts on uh, WWE making the WrestleMania main event uh, winner take all title versus title, Brock and Roman? I love it. I feel like the Universal title has, you know, seen the end of its time, and this is going to be the opportunity. I believe we talked about it either last week or a couple weeks ago that once Roman Reigns beats Brock Lesnar, that I think that's the way to go. I think that's what it's leading up to. Like he's going to be built as the champion of all champions in hopes of having the once in a lifetime, hopefully, match versus The Rock next year. Yeah, I don't think Reigns is going to lose that belt anytime soon. I think they're trying to build this for WrestleMania for next year versus The Rock, like you said. Um, and it feels like they're trying to erase Hulk Hogan from the record book. You know what I mean? Like the longer they keep him champion, the more things he breaks that were Hogan's records that they can push Hogan further down or off to the side with. So I think it's all pre calculated. I had heard they're going to actually uh, introduce a new belt uh, mm-hmm. once Reigns wins on Raw, and I'm hoping it's the big gold NWA belt that used to be the World Heavyweight Championship belt that they had, that everyone in the world knows what it looks like, and they never should have got rid of it. I really hope they bring that back. Um, but it's WWE, so they'll they'll find a way to mess this up. They, they won't do that. <laughs> they're gonna, they're gonna that's, that's a I'm pipe dream right there. They're, they're going to do something. They'll, they'll right. find a way to screw it up. Anyways, yeah, right. uh, good stuff, gentlemen. Uh, for Michael Davis, Desmond Johnson, Steve Wiseman, Brett Wiseman saying so long. Duke Carolina tomorrow. 34 cameras for ESPN will be in Cameron Indoor Stadium. But more important than any of that, Steve will be there too. So uh, enjoy the game tomorrow uh, and uh, the rest of this first weekend of March.